Welcome to the Hereby Call podcast, where we focus on preparing the called and reminding the returned by sharing life-changing experiences from serving the Lord. Sit back and relax because you're listening to the best podcast of this dispensation. And I think that moment right there just gave me a testimony that the work we're doing is important, but you don't understand the work that's happening on the other side. And that's something you should always remember as a missionary, that people are helping you and there are forces greater than you. So whenever you're having a hard time and you feel like you don't have the faith, keep going because you have no idea what's going on behind the scenes. Welcome back to the Hereby Called podcast. I'm your host, Jordan. Alongside me is my co-host and brother-in-law, Zach. <laughs> hey. And today we are super excited because we're interviewing someone from our mission, at least my mission. I served in the Mississippi Jackson mission. And today we're here with Jace. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> we're excited. We drove all the way to Las Vegas. All the way to Las Vegas to sit with Jace. I'm honored. Thank you. Let's just jump into this. Um, Jace, how would you describe yourself before the mission? A nervous wreck. So I don't know what your experience was. I, you, you opened your mission call. You've waited for months, weeks. You finally get this call and it says you're going to the Mississippi Jackson mission. What was your biggest concern at that time? Um, I mean, you're excited immediately, obviously, but there's a lot of fears of the unknown. I, um, I'm the youngest of five children and I was the first to serve a mission in my family. So there wasn't a lot of experience passed down to me of what to expect. And so it was just a journey that no one has been on before. What you, you said, no one had gone before. What, what made you want to go? Um, I don't know. I think there was just something always driving me that I knew that it was the right thing for me. I was just always terrified to take that leap. Was there one like, I don't know, young men's leader or your dad that really helped you in that process to actually take that step and put your papers in? Or was it just kind of like, this is what I do once I graduate high school? Um, it definitely wasn't that. It was more or less, um, I mean, looking back on it, my parents were very um, honest with me and they were open and they did not care if I chose not to serve a mission. Um, there was a lot of talks with my dad deciding if it was the right thing for me and it kind of just boiled down to like, it's not a bad thing to do. And it just felt like the right decision. I just, I remember it took me a long time to decide. And I remember just like one morning waking up and I was like, I'm going to actually do the papers today. Made a phone call to my dad and he, uh, was on a business trip and he came home that evening and helped me fill them out. And had he served a mission? He had not, no. Okay. Wow. He he wanted to. His father ended up passing away when he was graduating high school, and he um, made the choice to stay home. Mm. So fast forward, 
you got, you got this nervousness. You go to the MTC yes. and I am in, I, me and Jay slept in the same room. So you, you MTC. guys got the, the MTC together. We got, the, no, 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 no. Okay. You tell. Okay. Sorry. I arrived promptly on time like a good missionary. <laughs> oh, that's right. You missed your, I missed my flight. That's right. He was fashionably late. Not only did he miss his flight. I don't know if you knew this. His little brother threw up on his suitcase. I did not know that. Oh, yeah. He left that out. Insult to injury. <laughs> yeah. Kate's on his mission right now, but if anybody knows Jordan's mom, I'm pretty sure she fabricated that. You were late to your mission on birth. Like, you gotta have an entrance, you know. Maybe you were just nervous too. That could have been it. Yeah, I think your mom was nervous. Anyways, this is this is why the the reason why I'm so excited that we have Jace is because the man that Jace was at the end of his mission versus the boy that he was the day entering the MTC is night and day. This is what happened the la- the first night. We're all, we're all excited. We're all nervous. There's me, Jason, two others, and we're not companions, but we got to know each other. Well, anyways, we're writing in our journals quietly. I don't remember this. It's an, it's an, it's an odd feeling. This "This is like a new, this is like a new world, new chapter in my life. And Jay stops and we're all like kind of talking and laughing and Jace is in the corner and he's like, he's kind of somber and he looks up from his journal and he says with tears in his eyes, well, Seven hundred and twelve days left, <laughs> and I thought to myself, "This kid's not gonna make it. He's not gonna make it out of the MTC." And he did. That was a little dramatic, but okay. That, that's what happened, dude. I wrote it in my journal. I started every journal entry with day one, day two, day three. Oh, really? It stopped pretty quick. Yeah, <laughs> it was mentally totally. Don't don't do that. So you get to. The Mississippi Jackson mission. Well, actually, tell us about Christmas Day. Tell us about the MTC. Um, I'm, I'm sorry. No, you're fine. So we were actually the first, I think we were the first group of missionaries to ever go into the MTC the week of Christmas. That's not true, but okay. We were told that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it started out with a lie. Maybe it is true. I Actually, I don't know if I know anyone that's been over Christmas. The week of Christmas. The week of Christmas. We went in like we two were. days, three days before Christmas. Okay. What happened? I wanted to be home for Christmas. <laughs> it's tough. And we didn't, we didn't get a phone call. Oh, really? They you, tell you, you get a you phone get call. You minutes didn't. on the And you're like, what the computer? Yeah, we got to email. Email real quick. Yeah. That's the last thing I, that I, that's all I remember. You don't want to talk about like, maybe there is an apostle that came and visited. Oh, Elder Bednar did. Visit. <laughs> oh, <my goodness>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Was, yeah. The he, first thing you asked him was, was, why good. didn't I get my phone call on Christmas? Was, was there anything that, that he, he um, shared or that impacted you the rest of your mission? I don't know if you remember this, but he asked everyone to stand up who I think was scared or who wanted to go home. I don't remember the question he posed. Maybe he asked them to raise their hand and a few people did. And then he asked, follow, following that question, he asked everyone who just lied to raise their hand and everyone raised their hand. And I, he just, I think he expressed a, like, good, you feel that? That means you're human. I don't know. I, I think that was what he said, but. Do you remember that, Jordan? Uh, I had a different experience, but it was still. I remember being comforted. I wasn't alone that yeah, that's it, it was hard. It was hard for a lot of people, but it's hard because it's exciting, but you also just don't know what you're getting into. Yeah. How, how was, how was Jordan in the MTC? He was perfect. (laughs) He's like the one person. He walked in late. He made a statement. Everyone was like, wow, who's this guy? He's like, sorry, I just had my first baptism. (laughs) (laughs) The lesson went long. Right. (laughs) Uh, And then I don't know. He was just the star of the show. 
I, I was. He was the goal of who you would be at the end. Oh, Don't worry, gosh. life life has humbled him pretty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we get on an airplane and we go to the Mississippi Jackson Mission. Yes. What was your first thoughts of Mississippi? Um. Like when did you know you're like, oh, I'm not in Utah anymore. So coming from Utah to Mississippi, obviously there were a lot of cultural differences. Um, you went from being the majority in a room to a, min- a minority in the room a lot of the times um, socially. Um, I remember being fascinated by all of the trees. There's so many trees and they're tall and there's no sense of direction. Everyone just says like, oh, south is towards the ocean. You don't know where the ocean is. <laughs> it's just trees. Um, humid, very humid. So you guys got to the mission like when, like January? January, yeah. Yeah, I didn't expect it to be that cold either. You think Mississippi is just hot, but it was freezing. The humid cold. Yeah. It goes right through you. Is there like a wet season in Mississippi? Like It rains all the time. But if, okay. If you've ever seen, and Kelsey hates it when I reference <laughs> movies, but if you've ever seen Forrest Gump, he's in Vietnam and he says, and one day someone turned the rain on. And it just was on. And that's how it is. Like it just rains for hours and hours. For days. Or it'll stop. And then it's like clear blue sky. And then 10 minutes later, it's raining. And it's like, what the heck's going on here? What about the food? The food. Tell us uh, about the food of the South. Completely different ball game. <laughs> um, how so? Just as foreign as hearing the accent or what? Yeah, there was a, just a whole new menu there. Your shrimp and grits. Your, uh, what are some of them? The gumbo. Gumbo. Jambalaya. I know they have turkey necks. They have, I can't think of the crazy things, but. Fried catfish. Yeah, fried catfish. Was there any, what was your like, if a sister. Oh, red beans like, and rice. Asked yes. you, Elder, you're coming over to my house for, for dinner on Sunday. What do you want me to make? What would you say? Um, That that did happen. One of the families, were, they emailed my my parents without me knowing. And asked oh, really? What my favorite meal was. I don't know why my family said this, but it was nice. <laughs> they, they made mashed potatoes and soup. <laughs> I was like, wow, thank you. That's like the most like polarizing. Yeah. It's like the lightest, most heaviest dinner ever. Yeah. But like if somebody, if like a native quote, quote unquote native dish, if somebody said, hey, what do you want us to make? What would you say? Like, what was your go to? Gumbo, your- gumbo was good. I wasn't a fat of seafood gumbo, but gu- gumbo was good. Um, describe, describe gumbo because all I know of gumbo is seafood gumbo. What's non seafood? I think there's different types. They just add sausage and stuff, but there's a base called the roux, mm-hmm. which is quite a process to make. I think it takes days. And then the rest is just. It's like rice and yeah. some type of meat. Tell us about your mission presidents. You had two. Yeah. So I was welcomed by the legendary president Tucker. Um, what did, what lessons did he teach you that like, you're like, you still think of to this day? Um, He cared about me as an individual, I'd say. Um, My parents shipped a lot of my stuff to the mission home and it didn't arrive on time. Um, When I got to my first area, I was having a little bit of a hard time and he decided to drive it down personally that day. And it just happened to be perfect that I got to be able to meet with him that day. But he just, he took the time and followed inspiration to come and deliver things personally in that I'll always remember that. That's awesome. Yeah. And then you had another mission president that came out when you were about, what, six months? Yes. So you got to know him 
a bit better. Yes. Tell us about President McDonough and Sister McDonough. Um, when you think of President McDonough, what are your first thoughts? They radiate perfection. <laughs> <laughs> no, the they were just right like there. perfect people. My first interaction with them, I'll never forget. It was just instantly knew that they were led by, by something, by the spirit. And uh, they're just amazing people. I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of specific memories, but they just were the definition of like home away from home. Going to their mission home was just, it was almost like our version of being able to go to the temple. Like it was just so peaceful there and it just felt like you were home. Yeah. And you mentioned going to the temple. Your Our mission didn't have a temple. No. What was that like as a missionary? Um, well, I remember in conversation with you, you went to the mission or to the temple often before your mission. Mm-hmm. I went once before my mission and I remember going in the MTC once because it was closed for Christmas and I still had no idea what was going on. And, uh, I remember not, it it really didn't affect me that much on the mission, but I remember going home and my understanding of the, what happens in the temple was completely different from the first time. So I'd highly recommend that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So what advice would you give to someone who's gone through the temple for the first time, received their endowments and are a bit confused about what's going on? Um, Give it time. A lot of understanding. I didn't have a very profound understanding of the scriptures or the, the meaning behind the temple. But after serving two years of studying the new Testament, the old Testament, the book of Mormon going in there, it wasn't as intimidating or scary as I originally thought it was. No, that's good. So I know the areas that you served in. Yes. I was, me and Jace were always close to each other, but never companions. Tell us about DI Reveal. Who is someone that you were able to teach or maybe a member, someone that sticks out to you that helps you with your testimony of Jesus Christ? Originally getting to D'Iberville, it was kind of a long time before we met any investigators that were really interested in our message. I eventually met a woman named Anne Ashley. She lost everything she had to the Hurricane Katrina. Sorry, it's space my mind. Hurricane Katrina. Yeah. They lost their home. They lived on the bay. She was a wonderful woman, and they actually had to end up living in a FEMA trailer where their home was rebuilt. And while they were in the trailer, her husband had a heart attack and died in front of her. She actually sought out the missionaries because she was just looking for truth. And I remember just her having a desire to learn. And when you've been in a mission field for months, knocking on doors with no one that cares to hear your message and having someone actually seek you out, that was a game changer. What What about... What in the gospel did she cling to that she just loved? Um, I mean, given her experience, I would say the plan of salvation. Um, I have a distinct memory of a lesson that we did at the church. We would meet at like when I think Wednesday nights, we would go to the church and do scripture study and then just invite members to come and investigators. And I actually remember we did the tree of life. Um, story and we read that with her and I remember her having a lot of questions and asking about like the goal to get to the tree of life and I remember that she really appreciated that lesson so you mentioned um that you did knocking for months and months and months yes 
what what advice would you give to someone who's serving maybe stateside or maybe anywhere else where there's people that already believe in Jesus Christ, but not necessarily your message? Um, given the experience I have now, I think you're so driven as a missionary to find people, teach them and baptize them. But there are so many ways to bring good into people's lives without following those steps. And you're going to meet a lot of people who don't want to get baptized from your teachings, but you can leave a good impression in their life and do an act of service. And I think that I just look back on memories of like one of my last days, there was no one to teach and we helped someone rake their leaves and they invited us in and gave us like a plate of fancy cheeses and just talked to us about <laughs> their life. And I just remember like that left a good impression in them that missionaries go around and just do good. And just to clarify, you said that was one of your last days that someone invited you in their home to eat. How often would you say in the South you got invited into a random home to eat? Um, I would say I was invited quite often into homes. Um, they'd always offer, a, I think they call it a Coke. Every soda is a Coke. Every soda is a Every Coke. Every soda is a Coke. They'd offer you a <laughs> you Coke. You want to root Coke? <laughs> yeah, you never Coke. knew what kind of Coke you were getting. <laughs> but um, people were very hospitable. Was there any, um, I guess this is kind of a question for you both. Was there any like sort of part of the discussions that the people of the South identified more with? I know you had given the example of the plan of salvation, but you know, maybe the restoration or I don't know, like when I think of the South, I think of a lot of cultural influences, right? You get, it's kind of a cultural melting pot. And so was there any one specific thing that kind of they that kind of made the light bulb go off for them. Would you like me to answer, sir? Yeah, this is, this is your episode. Okay, so okay. I'm well, please, de please. Input. I'll defer to you as often as <laughs> okay. I can. Um, something that I, they tell you there, it's the Bible Belt. There's a lot of churches. A lot yeah, of exactly, faiths. exactly. I like you anticipate that going in, but what I didn't understand, and I I don't mean this to be offensive, but church is a business down there, and it's a way of life, and it's a profession to become a pastor. Uh -huh. and it's a good profession. You're helping a lot of people. And so I think the message that we had a lay ministry and it was all out of service and um, like our tithing went directly to help people and not to like someone as a career path. I think that gotcha. attracted people. I think the idea of having a prophet on earth was new to a lot of people. They know the Bible inside and out down there and they know their For prophets. Sure. And so giving the message that there's a prophet alive today was something that would catch their attention. Yeah, for sure. I'm just thinking of some kid that just opened his mission college, getting his mission call and sees that. And is like, Oh my goodness, the Bible built. What is, so that, that, I, I like that, that you, you bring up a, a living prophet and the fact that we, the church has ran off a of service. Yes. Yeah. And kind of what, what advice would you give to someone going to the Bible belt? Cause uh -huh. it's, I mean, straight up, I went to South America, but when I think about going to the Bible belt, like I still, I, I feel intimidated. Yeah. I, they, they really um, make the impression that you need to read the Book of Mormon before your mission and have a testimony of that. But if you don't know the New Testament and you're going to the Bible Belt, you're going to need to study that. That was good. <laughs> was there like, good, again, good new episode. <laughs> <laughs> new Testament wise, was there again, like, I don't know when I, I, I think of going down to Brazil they've focused so much on revelations down there. Revelations, revelations, revelations. So new Testament, was there any like a, a major 
a book that they focused on a lot or the gospels. Yeah. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Yeah. The, the Acts. And I think that's where it came into play to really gain an understanding of them. Cause like, I didn't know the stories of the new Testament. Like I knew the stories of the book of Mormon. Uh huh. And once I like gained an understanding of like who the apostles were, their life and ministry and how their life and ministry ended, it could help me on like teach, teach the, the restoration yeah. and the apostasy because that's where the gap is in a lot of people's faith down there from our faith. For sure. Yeah. So as you were in the South, everyone wants to talk about Jesus. Yes. Everyone reads the scriptures. Everyone believes in God. Yeah. How did your understanding of Jesus change? Um, Serving. I mean, it's a deep question. I know. I think growing up in Utah, you go to church every fast Sunday, you hear that this is the true church. Um, I gained a solid understanding that Jesus is in a lot of churches, that his truths are in a lot of faiths. And that just because you're not a member of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints does not mean that you don't hold the values that we do or go out and serve even more than I do that, um, his ministry is very much alive in other faiths. Well, Jordan, I'm, I'm just waiting for you to say team Jesus. He always says, I always team. say team Jesus. <laughs> yeah. I used to have a shirt that said, Jesus well, loves me. And, 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 and I'm, I'm going there in that. It's really easy as a young missionary, especially as someone that is intimidated by the Bible belt to think I got to defend myself and my beliefs using scriptures. And so there's a term called Bible bashing. Yes. Where people bring out scriptures and say, you're wrong because this scripture says this and I'm right because my scripture says this. And you wish that wasn't the intent of people, but that was unfortunately the outcome that a lot of people would invite you into their home just to prove you wrong. And as a young missionary, you think you know it all and you're there, <laughs> you've studied it every morning and you're going to prove them wrong. And sometimes they get the better of you with something you don't understand. But I mean, I wish more people would just come together and read the scriptures and find the similarities rather than the gaps. And I feel like we could fill in the gaps with the similarities if they just, if we all tried that. So having served in the Bible Belt, how important or how was the Book of Mormon received when teaching the lessons? Um, it was very foreign. Like they had never heard of it or they... I think there was two, there was maybe two perspectives, never heard of it or heard all the bad things about it. Gotcha, gotcha. Non-truths. Yeah. And I mean, you, I had experiences where I had an investigator that I, we loved, we'd go over and help him serve and teach him. And he talked to his pastor and his pastor decided to teach a lesson against the Book of Mormon. Yeah. yeah that, that, week. that happened so, a lot in South America too. Yeah. Do you remember any one specific time where you might have been stumped and like what you had to study to get to your conclusion? Yeah. I mean, there's lots of times where you're at a door trying to get in to try to share your message and they just have their, their roadblock that they're set on and you can't get past it. And no matter what Avenue you try, um, they just, they don't want to accept it. And you just, you just keep trying. And I mean, I remember one instance, it was like right before Christmas I'd been out for a year and this man just kept proving me wrong and I just couldn't take it. And he, he told me, you need to go get your education. Oh, yikes. And I just remember walking away and sitting down on the curb in front of his house. And I was like, I did go to college a little bit. Like, <laughs> I should understand some of this. 
But uh, I think those moments you just have to like prove to yourself that you have the perseverance to get up and, and keep going. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. Jace is really wise that you are not going to have all the answers to all the questions. No. And in a situation where someone's like, I thought as a missionary, I could do some type of like mental jujitsu for whatever question they asked me. And then I would get in their home. <laughs> That's not how it works. There's just like thing Jedi called, mind trick. Yeah. Like there's, wave your fingers. Well, like, it, yeah. <laughs> like, no, like if I know the answer to every question you ever asked, then it'll let me in. It's like, sometimes they just don't want you. They in just don't want you in. Like, don't, and you got to respect that. But don't you feel now like having that experience you're almost like, if I just went back now, I would be way better. Like, <laughs> right. I did everything wrong. I would be so much more relaxed in that I would I would still be bold and invite them to do something. But yeah. if they weren't interested and I explained it well, they're not interested. Yeah. You know? So, and you can't, you can't internalize that rejection and say, they rejected me. Yeah. So hopefully they just rejected you and not the gospel of Jesus uh -huh. Christ, but that's probably what they're just not interested in. Yeah. And, and then again, going back to like the Bible belt question, at least for me, there's a lot of times where people ask me questions to church history, things I'd never heard of before. What, what advice would you give to a missionary who doesn't have the answers? Um, don't automatically become discouraged because you don't have an answer right away. I mean, if you knew all of the answers, it'd be kind of boring, I guess, but I mean, take those opportunities to learn and study. You have that, that time every morning and take those questions that people have given you and research it and understand it. And I guess go into it with faith and I mean, just find out your truth. What were some of the craziest people love their preachers? And like you said, it, it's a, it's a profession. And so preachers don't want to lose, you know, members of their yeah. congregation and also their, their means of employment. What were some of the craziest things that people ever told you that you believed? You always get people, you're like, oh, I know you, you Mormons, you believe this. Oh, okay. What were some of the craziest things that they said you believed? Is there anything um, that comes to mind or am I just? I don't know. Uh, How many wives you got? Yeah, there's those <laughs> kind of things. I think a lot of the, the roadblock with a lot of the people I taught was they assumed it was a, a white person church. Uh -huh. And so that was a roadblock to getting a lot of investigators to come because in their neighborhoods, that's where the, the white people went. Gotcha. So. Who, who are some investigators that you think of to this day? Um, all of them. I, I mean, I had, I had a lot of great experiences meeting a lot of great individuals and I still keep in contact with a lot of them today. And, uh, I mean, I just think you go down there and I guess that's probably going back to the MTC, the thing that I, I, I should have touched on. I remember being in the MTC and I remember you sitting next to me and they told us, I think it's like on lesson is it lesson three? You invite them to be back. It's lesson one. You, you invite them to every lesson, but the third lesson is the gospel of Jesus Christ where you're getting, that is faith, repentance. When do you set a baptism. date? Is it lesson one? It's date to be baptized? Yeah. I sure hope not because I was definitely I not that good one. of a mission. Like, lesson one. I think it's lesson one. You, you ask it, them to you be ask, baptized. You, you ask say, the can, commitment. And then you, you say, always can, ask. And then you say, can we set a date to work towards? And wow. I remember hearing that and being like, what? Because <laughs> the missionaries that came to my house, we never talked about that <laughs> stuff. And so going back to like meeting people, I think you're just so focused to like set a date. But a lot of the times you just need to build a relationship with them. Let them understand the gospel by you living it. And then um, just becoming their friend. And they're not just a number. Yeah. What's the phrase people care 
I, yeah, people I don't know. People <laughs> oh, what is it? How the turntables <laughs> turn. <laughs> people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. You got to speak their language. Insert applause, please. Yeah. There Yay. Um, I'm not going to let you get out that easy. You didn't even share a specific example. Tell us a story. No, tell us a story about an investigator. I thought so we were just getting started. Someone, someone that you had worked with. Um, who was their story? How'd you help them? When I was just about to come home, we met a family that, um, they were just the most perceptive family that I ever taught. And it was a father and two kids. Um, the dad unfortunately had a lot of health issues during our lessons. And so sometimes he'd be in the hospital, but those, those kids, um, I can't remember their ages at the time. I'd say like 13 and 10, we would teach them a lesson and go back and teach the next week. And they, um, just remembered everything. And it was just like, we struck gold on this family and they just come when you're not like expecting it. These, this family, like they just, I don't know. I'm kind of at a loss for words, but they, um, sounds like they're just golden. They were golden and they, they weren't, they weren't like the perfect candidates that you hear about. And so sharing something as simple as like thou shall not kill. You think everyone would understand that, but everyone maybe has never heard that that's like an actual commandment from God. I don't know, but I remember sharing that lesson and they did had never heard of all 10. They didn't have it all together. Like, what do you mean? Like they, they drank coffee or like, um, I remember teaching the 10 commandments and the dad had never heard them. Okay. Okay. Like you don't understand coming from the culture that we sometimes do that the basic understanding we have of the gospel of Jesus Christ is not. No, well, I think it's, it's, it's important to know even, you know, as a young 18, 19 year old kid going on your mission that there's still people out there like that. Right. Yeah. And not everybody has a perfect understanding of the gospel or even has a relationship with their heavenly father. And the fact that you can be an instrument in getting them to understand and know their heavenly father. And then not only that, but then to practice and implement gospel principles in their lives only for the better, you know, it's, 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 you can't go into it thinking everybody, I'm just here to prove that the book of Mormon is true. I'm yeah. just here to prove that the, the, the gospel has been restored. No, in some cases you're helping them understand that the basic 10 commandments, you know? Yeah. And I think that's just something that like, you take for granted in your life having those understandings and the other people don't and they they live in a life that's sometimes more difficult than what I would even understand is out there and just being able to bring a joy to them every time we came and taught the lesson and they were just so like so excited to learn it and going back the next lesson and then recalling all the information you just feel like you're making a difference that's awesome and it's it's so it sounds so backwards a lot of people are like oh like they, they don't call us members of the church. They call us Mormons and say, oh, you Mormons, like you have all these extra rules. It's like commandments are the way that you are blessed and protected. And so when you have that in your life, it it's worth it. It's not really extra. You just follow them a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to say that, but you know, we push them a little bit. Yeah. So Jace, I know that you had, I, I was able to watch you from a distance for two years. Yes. I know that you had some, some tough areas, some tough companions, some tough assignments. What, what, what helps you to get through those, those moments that you were struggling the most? 
Um, because again, you were a kid, you were a boy in yeah, MDC that said 712 days left. Yeah. And I thought this kid's not going to make it. <laughs> and you did. Yeah. I didn't know what I was getting into. And honestly, they prepare you in the MTC for one thing, but the reality of a mission is another. And you think missionaries are perfect from the perception, but they're not. They're regular people and they fall short every day. And it is a mental battle that you have to be perfect and you're not. And um, I mean, from the start of my mission, it just wasn't an, an obedient um, example. And I remember fighting against that and that I wanted to serve an obedient mission that I didn't come out to waste two years. And, uh, I mean, there was a lot of struggles at the beginning. I would say that, um, a good mission president and some good leaders that were out there, they, they, they come and they listen and they'll, they'll fix problems if you're experiencing it. And I would just encourage to like encourage new missionaries going out. If you have a companion that's not obedient or who is struggling and you want to do better, don't be afraid to speak up. I mean, I remember a lot of missionaries do not do companionship inventory and you don't want to do it. It's awkward, <laughs> yeah. but sometimes you just have to say, Hey, I don't, I'm, I'm not happy with the way we're doing this and don't be afraid to, to be vocal. I mean, you're there to do something to help others. And so to make the, make the most of it that you can. Yeah. And to back up companionship inventory is a weekly meeting, usually on a Friday where you take a step back from your relationship and from the work and you say, how are we doing in our relationship? Are we on the same page? You know, how's, how's <laughs> are we teaching in a unified manner kind yeah. of thing? And it's really awkward when you're with someone that you definitely aren't. <laughs> it's like, yeah. do we yeah. just avoid this conversation or not? And Jason's right. You got to definitely, you got to attack it. So having learned how to approach situations like that on your mission, how has that, has that helped you in your post-mission life? Yeah, 100%. You, you don't like really think about the impact of spending every day 24 seven with someone you don't want to like, that's the reality of it sometimes <laughs> yeah. is that you're with it's someone very true. There's you're with someone sometimes that you just butt heads or you are good friends and you, some, you, you hang out with heads. your friends and you don't, you don't want to be with them 24 seven. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. And so you learn how to handle either difficult people or people in difficult situations. And I just think like a lot of experiences I've had since my mission socially or professionally, I've been able to use skills from my mission of handling difficult people or difficult circumstances involving people you care about. Yeah. It's important. Like I think everybody at least had one, if not multiple difficult companions. And, and, and again, you have best friend companions, but understanding that there's lessons to be learned with every single one. Yeah. And just because it's difficult with one doesn't mean they're an all around bad person. Like I had a companion that I just didn't personally get along with. Like you, it wasn't my best friend, but yeah. we got along and we had fun together and you make it work and you make the best of any situation. You're unified in one thing and you just go out and share the gospel. Yeah. You, you said earlier, um, oh man. <laughs> Welcome to my world. <laughs> I, I like had it. I was like, we're gonna go no, I'm, 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 in my mind, I'm thinking of all the companionship inventories now where like, I felt like we were going to end in like fist fights. Yeah. But I go back and think about how overdramatic I probably was to my poor companions. And I was like, <laughs> we need to get up earlier. We need to Here study more. Yes. Yes. And sometimes you are the problem yeah, <laughs> and yeah, you yeah. don't realize it. So earlier you said the struggle of trying to be perfect. Yes. Talk to us about that. Why, what was going on? Um, 
it's not anything that was like ever professionally diagnosed, but like in discussions with my mission presidents and stuff, I think like I just in my own head had an OCD about the gospel and how it's supposed to be done. And, um, I mean, there's lots of examples I could give, but like you go and you teach a lesson and the first thing you do is think about how the lesson went and something you said dumb or a word you messed up on and it ruined the spirit of the lesson or you didn't recite Joseph Smith's first vision perfectly. And you just sit there and you think about, gosh, like, how can I not get this right? But, um, you just sit there and you think, and you have to be perfect about it, but you have to understand that no one's perfect. That's the point. Like that's the message you're sharing is that this is the gospel of imperfection that you're going to get fixed. Yeah, like, it's, it's, was it's, there, was there a turning point in your mission where 100%. It, so what was that? Because I, the reason why I ask is because I served with elders that were very much in that same capacity that at the end of the mission, if I was to ask them if they enjoyed it, they would have said no. Yeah. So what, what caused you to have that turning point? Um, so throughout the mission, I was surrounded by a lot of good friends, which like conveniently, we just moved to same areas, the same areas. And so you always have like that social group to rely on. And uh, I remember I just had a, a district leader at the time that I was in the same area with for, I think, seven and a half months. A long time. Yeah. And he just became, and he still is to this day, one of my best friends. And um, he took the time to like, he knew when I was having a hard time and he would come do a, what were they called? A, a switch for the day. Or exchanges. Exchanges. Yeah. It's been a while. But um, exchanges is where you switch companions for the day. Yeah. With a, a, someone that's in leadership. Yeah. And they'll come see how you're doing in your area and see how just you're doing is progressing as a teacher and a missionary. But um, he would just do an exchange just to like help me relax from the pressures of being a missionary. And I just remember like how like his example was just a lifesaver for me. And I, I still remember to this day that I was laying in bed, ready to go to sleep, ready for another day of being a missionary. And he called me and said, pack your bags. And I was like, what? And he was like, they asked me who I wanted my next companion and you're coming. And I remember being like, what? Like, that's not how it's supposed to work. <laughs> I'm not supposed to get a companion I chose and I'm going to get along with. And, uh, I even called my mission president and asked him to change it because I felt guilty. <laughs> I right. felt guilty. And, uh, I remember just going and being his companion and it was just like a whole different ball game from that point in that second year of my mission, just the whole perspective changed. And this is, who was this? Uh, Nadan Hosea. Elder Hosea. Give him a shout out. Solid, solid missionary. Good solid guy. guy. It's interesting though. Sometimes all it takes is that one person or the, that spends time with you to help you understand to like, I feel like sometimes missionaries and, and I was like this for a little while. You're like a spring. You're so wound up, right? Again, you're, oh man, I messed up or especially yeah. with learning a new language or something like that. But it's like, Hey, just chill. Like, yeah. Just chillax, man. And it's so hypocritical of missionaries to say, I'm going to go teach people how to repent and that they can overcome anything with Jesus Christ's help. And then to say, ah, I can never get there. Yeah, totally. Like I am this imperfect person and I just, I'm terrible. I need to be perfect. And it's like, you, you're not preaching <laughs> the truth. Yeah. I think, I think a lot of missionaries go through that. I don't know. Jordan, as an assistant, when you saw a lot of missionaries come in, I don't know, you might've had been more hands-on. Did you know, did you see that quite a bit throughout your mission? Cause I know I saw it. Yeah. And it's tough because there's this heavenly anxiety and it's good because it keeps you obedient, but like where, where Jace was at, where it keep, gets you paranoid yeah. about lessons. Like it's good to think, how can I improve this lesson? 
it's not good to think I'm a terrible person. I didn't do this right. You know? And I think that's where Satan tries to get in there and confuse you. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> you guys are just like smiling at each other so big. Um, it's just like we're back there. <laughs> good times. Let's see. I will say, and maybe you can throw this in at the end as my last spill, but uh, I remember a general authority coming to our mission and telling us that every, he had us read the scripture in Enos that it says like Enos, thy sins are forgiven thee. And I remember him telling us, and as a missionary, I always thought I wasn't, you know, like I'm not worthy to be teaching. I'm not worthy to be teaching when there, I was, I was like You're looking back. Worthy. Yeah. 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 But you just, you're hard on yourself. You you like, as a missionary, you've never been more worthy of the <laughs> yeah. spirit. You know? like, I read the scriptures two hours a day. I'm not perfect. <laughs> like, Calm down, dude. It's like, bro, chillax. Yeah. I apologize again to my companions, but um, <laughs> I remember him saying that you should hear that every time you take the sacrament, those words, your sins are forgivingly. And I was like a literal person and I was every, like probably every Sunday after that, I'd be like, nothing. <laughs> You're like, like kids anything? crying in the background. Anything? <laughs> but, um, I just remember I searched for that my whole mission and I thought when I heard it, I'd finally be forgiven. And I, again, you, you carry a weight you don't need to carry. When I got home and got released by my mission president, my family moved to a new city. I never met this man before or to my stake president. Yeah. He, um, I told him that like, I just carried that weight a little bit and he asked me how I felt at the end of my mission. And he said, well, can I have you read a scripture? And guess what he turned to that Enos scripture that said, and he said, replace it with your name. Your, your sins are forgiven thee. And I just remember that being like a tender mercy from our, from our heavenly father for the work that I did. The, the words I searched for every Sunday, I finally got at the end of the journey. Mm. That's beautiful. There you that go. Is. Wrap that, it up. That, that, <laughs> that made, that made the episode. Are, are there any miracles? that you, any, you know, miracle experiences that you had that you can speak of? Yeah. It's kind of long though. Do you have time? Yeah. Well, we're going to record this whole thing and then I'll edit it down to. Okay. Well, uh, shall I start from the top? Start from the top. Okay. I had an experience when I served, um, as a missionary in Hattiesburg. Um, we didn't, I was there for seven and a half months and I did not, I, I can count on maybe a handful of times that I had an investigator at church and it's just hard to show up every Sunday to church, to your ward council. Does show like, yeah, you want to, you want to show that you're working and yeah, it's frustrating. It is. And I remember a specific Sunday we were asked to go give a blessing, um, to someone in the hospital near us. And it was a quite a frequent request and it, there's not a, it was, kind of a rural area. So people would come in from all over to the hospital. So just be members or members, family members of members nearby that just needed a blessing. And we went to give this blessing. And I remember, I think it was a fast Sunday and I just was not in a good mood who is when they're fasting. But um, <laughs> I remember telling my companion on the way, I don't want to give the blessing. Like, will you just do it? I just don't feel like I'm in the right mindset. And we go to give the blessing and it is, it turns out to be a young man, our age, um, basically on life support. And I remember my companion being with me, we met the mother and the father and, um, there's just a family of support in there in the room. And my companion asked the family, who would you like to give the blessing? 
And you'll know as a missionary that question's posed a lot and there's always an awkward pause because a lot of people are unfamiliar with the blessing or the members just want you to choose, but you kind of leave the pressure on them to choose. Or as an inexperienced missionary with, with giving blessings in general. No, first like, blessing was on a mission. Like, yeah. yeah. And they chose me. And I remember just being like, I wasn't in the, I wasn't in the right mindset. And I remember that being a difficult blessing to give. And um, I remember giving the blessing and I said, whatever's like the words that came out were whatever's best will happen for this, for this life. Um, we didn't like hear results that day. And the next day was a P day. We were with a group of missionaries and uh, I remember a missionary got a notification on their phone. You might've been there. And um, it was a leader of mine and he said, Oh, by the way, I got a message that that member didn't make it. I guess you're, you didn't have enough faith. Your blessing wasn't good enough. This was from a, a fellow missionary giving me the news. Oh my goodness. This, this young man had passed and it was, he said probably in a joking fashion, but I was an emotional never, kid. Yeah. I was an emotional kid. He told me in person. Oh. He got notification of a text. Oh my goodness. And in person, he said to my face, you probably didn't have enough faith or something along those lines. And I don't know. I was pretty emotional. And I remember just like excusing myself to the parking lot and just like having a moment. For sure. And your inexperience giving blessings was just a lot of weight on your shoulders. And I just remember feeling like, well, it's probably because I didn't fast, right? And it goes back to those feelings of, well, I'm not worthy. I didn't fast, right? I'm being too hard on myself again. And uh, I remember asking my companion to fast with me again that day. And it was a hard thing to do to fast. And I remember doing that. And it was just a challenge. And I, I carried that weight with me for a long time. Um. Fast forward, things are going well. I'm in a good area with a good companion and we stop on the side of the road to help someone who had a flat tire. Happens to be a, a girl who's not a member of the church, who's familiar with missionaries from an experience she had with her friend getting a blessing right before he passed away. And I remember just being like, I was, I was that missionary. It was a completely different city. It was just a small world. And it was just like, it felt like a small connection to something greater that was coming. And I remember just being like that, that was a cool experience. Wow. Not a lot came from that experience, but I remember that happening. Fast, fast forward again, I was in a great area. Things were going good. Um, it was coming close to the end of my mission and I expected to stay in that area till the end when I got an unexpected call to pack my bags that I was being transferred. And I remember being upset with my mission present. Like this wasn't what I had planned. <laughs> Wait, where were you? Where were I was you in Gulfport and I was going to open up the Laurel Zone. Okay. And uh, Elder Frankie was going with me. Yes. Yes. It was a good time. I remember exchanges. But I remember I wasn't happy to go because I loved where I was at. And I was with Elder Jose who was about to go home and yeah, the pattern would have been that yeah. he was going to go home and I would have stayed in the area, but he ended up staying, which isn't usually typical. I remember going to the area and it was just, is an awesome area. I ended up loving it. But at first I just was a little frustrated and I went to church that first Sunday and I was welcoming people and a lot of familiar faces because it was close to Hattiesburg where I originally served. And uh, a family came in and I remember just shaking this mother's hand and she just looked at me and said, you look so familiar. And I, it just, we just kind of like looked at each other, tried to recognize each other. And she said, you gave my son a blessing right before he passed away. And I remember just being like, oh my heck, like another 
coincidence, like another interaction with this young man who passed away. And uh, I said hello to her and her husband and her daughter was with them. And I remember sitting through sacrament meeting, like, what are the, what are the odds of this? Like what a small world. And after sacrament meeting, the daughter came up to me, introduced herself and approached me and said, who do we talk to you about becoming sealed as a family? And I was like, us, <laughs> of course. And she said, okay, well, my stepdad's not a member of the church. Would you be willing to teach him? And the family joined her and we set up an appointment to go that week to go teach this family. And I remember like, how weird is this? Like what a coincidence. And I remember that whole week, the pressure that I had to teach this family, because <laughs> this was like my moment as a missionary. Yeah. And uh, I remember like we didn't even have a lesson plan. Like I couldn't think of anything. We were introduced um, in their home and we learned that um, her husband was uh, honestly investigating the church since 1992 and had never joined the church. And through the various experiences he had in his life. And I remember just taking the moment to bear my testimony that like, I didn't believe in coincidences and that like the experience that I had with their son, David and um, just being able to be in their home and seeing it. And I think that moment right there just gave me a testimony that the work we're doing is important but you don't understand the work that's happening on the other side. And that's something you should always remember as a missionary, that people are helping you and there are forces greater than you. And I remember, uh, asked telling, telling this man, like what more coincidence do you need than this? And he said, no, that's fine. I actually, I actually was listening to the radio today and you'll get, you'll get experiences like this all the time. Signs come in all ways. And he was listening to the famous K love station. Yes. And he said, I heard a song and it spoke to me and I want to get baptized. And wow. I just remember being like, this is it. <laughs> a few weeks later, we, we had to teach him all the lessons to make sure that he had the understanding. He obviously just cruised through them. He ended up getting baptized. And a few weeks later, he baptized his daughter. And just seeing that come from the beginning, from an overly emotional young man being told he didn't have enough faith in a blessing when I didn't even understand. I, I didn't, I didn't realize the faith I should have had in that blessing and the power I would have had a year later meeting his family and being able to, to give his stepdad the opportunity to accept the gospel. So whenever you're having a hard time and you feel like you don't have the faith, keep going because you have no idea what's going on behind the scenes. That's amazing. Dude, that was the best freaking story I've ever heard. <laughs> I hope I portrayed it well. No, it was good. Because it, it was important to me and it's something I'll never forget. And it's so it's so painful to hear that that missionary said, you know, you didn't have enough faith to, or I guess you didn't have enough faith. And it's like, it doesn't come down to, I think Elder Bednor asked the question of, do you have faith to be healed? And then he said, do you have faith to not be healed? You know, yeah. your timing is not God's timing. You know, was Isaiah 55, I think it's 55, eight and nine. You know, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are higher. And so you, you, that whole story is just a testimony of the right thing happened. And it wasn't because of your faith. It was because that you exercised faith. You exercised the priesthood. You did what you could. And it is beautiful that you were able to see all those coincidences, those heavenly miracles line up. Yeah. For sure. I think we've said it a couple of times on different episodes as a missionary, oftentimes you want to feel like the chess player when in reality 
you're a chess piece in a bigger game that Heavenly Father's playing. You know what I'm saying? And uh, yeah, that was amazing. It was awesome. What about mission life do you miss the most? Um, the interactions with people of different faiths and just having those experiences. You'll never, you'll never have an opportunity where you walk into Walmart and someone grabs your hand and wants to pray with you again in your life. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Especially in the South. Yeah. We haven't talked about it, but why is serving stateside awesome? Um, so, oh, I, we've, we've had so many people from like Eastern Russia, Eastern yeah. Europe, like South America. It's like, no, the U S is friggin' awesome. Tell us why. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We were in a di- we were in a different world over there. It's still. Well, I, I don't think anybody's ever said it's not awesome. I I I'm, I just I don't know. Like I've that. had that. I've had that been told to me, but um, I don't know. It's just a good experience overall. Don't don't be ashamed of your call being stateside. That's that's nothing you should ever feel because no mission is easy. No mission is too good. It, yeah. I mean, they're all good. And we've heard it from every stateside missionary that it was just as foreign as they could have ever imagined. Yeah. I don't think I could have handled more foreign. (laughs) 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 I was already a nervous wreck. Uh, In what ways did your testimony grow the most? Um, Good question. Is it like a gospel principle that like, Oh, I totally know. Like I totally believe that now. Like there's no doubt. Um, Obviously just, it all goes back to the atonement. Like I was carrying so much, baggage that I did not need to carry. And I was teaching people to let go of it when I wasn't like going of it myself. And I just think like the person I am today worrying about like mistakes I've made, just forgive yourself and move forward. Yeah. Is going back to that 712 days left Jace to the Jace at the end of the mission. What's one thing you realized about yourself you didn't know before? Um, that I was capable of having confidence <laughs> <laughs> or that you could get off Alka-Seltzer. Hey, can you, you should get Alka-Seltzer to be a sponsor for this. We should pop, pop, fizz, fizz. <laughs> um, listen, I, sometimes you get a little upset stomach and you need an Alka-Seltzer and Elder Carpenter, Jordan would not pro, pro what's the word? You I'm wouldn't pro- let me, you prohibited it. I he got me clean. I <laughs> my, my, my greatest word of wisdom convert is this guy right here. Because <laughs> what he, does Alka Seltzer have to do with the word of wisdom? He was abusing it, and I. <laughs> it's my version. It's of the like word, a drug. It's my version of the word of wisdom. It's like, hey, if you're too reliant, I started drinking. Probably not good. I started drinking sparkling water because I just like I don't I like the taste. It is this, this entry. I drug. would just drink it for fun. Yeah, well, that's basically what sparkling water tastes like. Yeah. yeah. Lay off. We'll have an Alka Seltzer tonight. <laughs> yeah, there we go. That's, we'll sit back, and have an Alka Seltzer. <laughs> well, Jace, wrapping up, would you mind sharing a brief testimony? I could go on forever, but I just think that I know that there's always a bigger plan than what we can comprehend. And Heavenly Father is aware of us and He's aware of everyone. And you'll never understand the part that you play in someone else's life. Um, you can go from any moment of feeling like you don't have enough faith to seeing it come to fruition and see that a blessing that you didn't want to give can come being one of the greatest blessings that you were able to receive. Mm. And I just, my testimony is that Heavenly Father is mindful of us that keep the faith even when it's hard and just be a good, kind person. Thanks, Jace. Yeah. We will post this on Sunday. 
And um, if this podcast has done anything for you, please like and subscribe. (laughs) (laughs) And share with your friends. Thanks, guys.